Friday, the middle of the week, and we already have more news on this slate than any other this season. Welcome into Fantasy Football Today, DFS on Thursday, November 4th. I am Frank Sample, joined as always by Mike McClure and Sienna Jad. Today on the podcast, we're going to deep dive each game on the Week 9 main slate, and then we'll wrap up with our cheat sheet. That's our favorite value, chalk, contrarian, and stack of the week. And I'm just going to go right into it because I have questions that I want to ask you guys right away. 11-game main slate, we have one game with a total of 50 points as of now. We have two just behind them at 49.5. We have eight games with a total of 46 points or higher on the slate. We have two double-digit spreads. The Bills are 14.5-point favorites at the Jaguars. We have the Cowboys 10-point favorites at home against the Denver Broncos. This slate has already been kind of flipped on its head because we have no Aaron Rodgers. He tested positive for COVID and... Mike, I just want to ask you from a macro level perspective, we'll talk about Jordan Love a little bit later on and and that game in general, but what does it do to the entire slate now? Because we were looking to pay up for someone like Tyreek Hill and Devontae Adams. We, you know, we obviously think that game's going to be competitive with Rodgers and Mahomes in it. What does it do when we, when we lose Aaron Rodgers in that game? Uh, It definitely opens things up. It changes the entire course of some of your builds uh, because we were at some point considering paying $8,000 for a quarterback. And now I'm potentially paying $4,400 for a quarterback. That changes the ownership a lot. It makes it really fun. Uh, It makes cash games potentially predictable. Depends, you know, we'll see what everything how it shakes out, but it makes tournaments really fun. Uh, if we know that a certain percentage of the field is going to play a $4,400 quarterback, we have a pretty good idea of where they're spending in other spots. Uh, so I, I think it's going to be fun. I think there's going to be a lot of interesting opportunities this week in tournaments to potentially fade some of those situations. And it's one of those weeks where you like your tournament lineups might actually look drastically different than your cash game lineups, which is not something we've really seen a ton of to this point in the season. Sia is here as well. And Sia, how are you feeling about this slate overall? Uh, week nine, we have 11 games on the main slate. We did have a game with a massive total there with the Packers and Chiefs. That has dropped down to 48 points. So again, the totals this week, uh, not all that high, and it seems like they're very condensed right now. So how are you feeling about week nine? I actually feel really good about week nine. And part of the reason is because of the Aaron Rodgers news. Now, if you remember from Tuesday, there were three games I was really keying in on from a stacking standpoint. It was the Bills and the Jags, predictably, uh, Vikings at Ravens and the Chargers at Eagles. And I actually, it was almost like I forgot about that Chiefs-Packers game, but also I just wasn't sure I wanted to play it. And then, of course, we talked about it a little bit more on Tuesday. And I was like, yeah, I'll probably need to get shares of that. Well, I understand if people want to play that game. I understand the savings that Jordan Love creates. I understand you don't even need to play the Jordan Love side. You can play the Patrick Mahomes side with Hill and bring it back with Aaron Jones or Devontae Adams or whatever you want to do. I think I'm going to be largely avoiding that game. And the reason why that's good for me is it condenses the games and the stacks I'm going to play. And I'm most comfortable when I'm limiting my stacks to like two or three that I'm kind of all in on. And which was last week, I was pretty much all in on the bill stack and it ended up working out for me. I had a little bit of Jalen Hurts on the side, but I just kind of like really being invested in one or two games from a stack standpoint. And now I can, I'm not saying it's the right move, but for me, now I can sort of kick out from a tournament standpoint, I can kick out that Chiefs Packers games and we'll we'll talk about that game and why I'm sort of kicking it out but now I can really focus on Bills Jags Vikings Ravens and then maybe just throw in a little bit of Chargers Eagles all right let's jump into the games I want to give everybody a heads up that we're recording this a little bit earlier than we normally are so we don't have any Thursday practice reports yet we're actually doing this Wednesday night there's a chance that if anything else crazy happens this week which I'm sure there will be Uh, We'll have like a shorter updated version uh, of the podcast later on in the week. But let's start with the Vikings at the Ravens. The Ravens are six point favorites with a 49 and a half point total. This is tied for the second highest total on the slate. And all of these odds come via the the Caesar Sportsbook. And on the Vikings side of things, their defensive end, Daniil Hunter, was placed on injured reserve for the Ravens, Latavius Murray and Sammy Watkins. Both did not practice on Wednesday, and I have a feeling that this game is going to be pretty popular to stack, especially the Ravens side, which is very affordable. Lamar Jackson is 7,300. We have Marquise Brown, who is 6K on DraftKings. Mark Andrews is 5,500. Mike, you mentioned Rashad Bateman the other day as one of the clear value wide receivers at only uh, $4,000. So it seems like it's very attainable to stack the Ravens side of things, but I don't know if you want to bring it back with anyone on the Vikings side. So Mike, what are we thinking about this game? 
Yeah, so I think for me, it's going to be cash game mixes in. I'm going to play two cash game lineups for sure this week, uh, and I'm going to split them 50-50 down the middle. Uh, and that's where I'm going to be playing Lamar Jackson and one of them, Rashad Bateman, as the, uh, as the bring back. I might have some Mark Andrews in that lineup still. I might have Mark Andrews as a one-off. Uh, I don't think I will be bringing it back with anyone on Minnesota as of now. Uh, the reason for that is I think that there's still going to be some really clear value on the slate, particularly at tight end. And I think there are some good value defenses that I don't think I need to force that because it'll be a lot like last week for me in that like last week I went out and played Cooper Cup, Debo Samuel. I think I could do the same thing this week with someone like Tyreek Hill and Debo Samuel in pretty much every lineup. So that's what most of mine are going to look like. So I don't think I'm going to need that correlated bring back uh, just because of those high ceiling, high volume players. Um, but yeah, I, I think that the, the Ravens part is interesting. Lamar's ownership is going to be incredibly interesting now to see if people end up biting on Jordan Love. And then potentially if anything pops up here with Kyler Murray and Colt McCoy ends up starting that game for the Arizona Cardinals, He's also $4,000 on DraftKings. If we have not one but two quarterbacks starting under 4400 in pretty good spots still, you know, as good as it can get for being a backup quarterback on short notice, uh, the ownership's going to get really wild on guys like Lamar and some of those mid-range quarterbacks. So I'm very interested in the Ravens. I don't think I'm going to be bringing it back. I think I'll just be playing Ravens. All right, yeah. For me, I'm with you. I think Lamar Jackson, if you're not looking to spend down at quarterback this week in cash games, I think Lamar Jackson is the play, at least for me. I think this game can be competitive, and obviously uh, his floor that he provides with his rushing ability uh, is evident at this point. I think other names you'll look at, Jordan Love, Colt McCoy, you mentioned, Taysom Hill, if he starts, is probably going to be pretty popular. And then Tua Tunga-Vailoa is sub-6K, and he's played pretty well so far this season, from a fantasy perspective, at least. Uh, see ya. Very interested in in Marquise Brown. I think this is probably my favorite stack on the slate just because uh, there's going to be people on Rashad Bateman. Marquise Brown is still too cheap, in my opinion. He is 6K, and he has double-digit targets in two of his last three games. He's fourth in the NFL in air yards. It's a really strong matchup against his Vikings secondary. I'm very interested in he, uh, here in the Ravens. And then you know, maybe if you bring it back, GPP, Dalvin Cook is 7,700, and I think we're going to get him at... Lower ownership probably than he should be. What do you think? Yeah, I agree. It's probably going to be lower ownership than it should be. It'll still be double digits, but on the low end of that is my guess. I think he's a great bring back. And, and honestly, I think, listen, we don't think of the Ravens as as this really prolific throwing passing team, but I, I probably will have a lineup with Lamar, Marquise Brown, and Rashad Bateman, obviously fade the running backs, and then bring it back with either Dalvin Cook or Justin Jefferson or – if you really want to go heavy, bring it back with Dalvin Cook and like a Tyler Conklin. Because the one thing I'll say about Conklin is, A, there's value there at 3000 obviously. But, I mean, perhaps more importantly, Baltimore doesn't do a good job covering the tight end. So there's maybe some inherent value there. I think maybe that the Cowboys put out maybe a little bit of a blueprint trying to shut down Justin Jefferson uh, and, and you know, letting kind of Thielen and Conklin get some of the, the catches. So I could see that script kind of um, sort of, happening again this week so i really like this game i definitely think the over is in play i mean obviously that they could slow down the pace a little bit here but i love all the key players in this game let's move on to the broncos at the cowboys the cowboys are 10 point favorites at home with a 49 and a half point total and on the injury front for the broncos their starting quarterback bryce callahan was placed on injured reserve and Noah Fant tested positive for covid but is vaccinated he has a chance to play but i was reading somewhere that he is uh, dealing with symptoms right now. So maybe that's a little bit more like doubtful than, than questionable as of now. But uh, we'll see how that plays out for the Broncos. And then for the Cowboys, Dak Prescott, CeeDee Lamb, and Amari Cooper were all limited in practice on Wednesday. Blake Charwin did not practice. And there is a chance that Michael Gallup returns off of injury reserve as well. I do think that Dak Prescott is going to be able to go in this spot. It seems like he was close on Sunday Night Football and they just really, really wanted to be cautious there. Uh, probably the biggest misprice on the slate is Amari Cooper at 5,700. He is 1,500 less than C.D. Lamb. Usually these guys are like three to $500 apart in salary. 1,500 is massive. So Sia, we'll start with you this time. Is Amari Cooper in autoplay or are you looking to gain leverage by fading him at the salary? Not an autoplay for me. And it's only because I think the game script, and especially if you consider Dak's injury, they're 10-point favorites. We know from this season when they're ahead, 
they're running the ball. This isn't the Cowboys of last year, right? So I expect them to be ahead at home against Denver. And so, yeah, Dak can throw a couple touchdown passes in this game very easily. But I think it's the Ezekiel Elliott-Tony Pollard show if this lead gets to double digits in the second half. So Amari Cooper's fine because his price is great. Totally hear you on that. I mean, just for perspective, some of the guys that were in that range last week were like, you know, your Jalen Waddles of the world. And um, that that's only a few hundred more than like T. Higgins was last week. And we considered that a, a tremendous value, as was Pittman last week. So I get it with Amari Cooper. But honestly, I don't really want pieces of this game unless I decide I want to go with Ezekiel Elliott because I think 7K at home uh, is a pretty good price. But then you have to really talk about, well, how many touches does Tony Pollard get in a positive game script? So to me, I, like this is one of those higher totals, but I'm just not interested on either side of the ball. I'm with you there. I think Ezekiel Elliott, you know, if you're making a ton of lineups as a GPP running back, uh, normally these mid-priced running backs, uh, they at times they get forgotten about, uh, especially on this slate where like if Christian McCaffrey were to play, I'm sure people are going to be interested in, uh, interested in him. And then there's a lot of uh, lower-priced running backs that I think are going to be popular this week as well. So I think Zeke might fly under the radar, 10-point favorites. Um, Obviously, they do want to run the ball, so I think uh, he, he's a good GPP running back. Uh, the Broncos are 10-point dogs here, and I think their pass catchers are somewhat appealing because they are affordable. Cortland Sutton is 5,900. Uh, Jerry Judy returned last week, played 72% of the snaps. He's 5K on DraftKings, and if Noah Fant cannot go, Albert O, I'm not going to try to pronounce his name. I'm sorry, buddy, but he is $2,600. If Fant is out, I think that he will be this week's version of Dan Arnold, so... Mike, what do you think about this game? What do you think about the Broncos? Yeah, you're dead on there. Uh, Albert O will definitely be this week's Dan Arnold um, if Fant is out or is even potentially in and potentially limited. Um, as of right now, I've got him in my early initial builds. Um, as far as Amari Cooper, I think it's fascinating. Uh, Sia mentioned a few of the names, but I'll glance over at them now. Uh, Brandon Cooks, Cole Beasley, Jacoby Myers, T. Higgins, Devontae Parker, Jalen Waddell, Kadarius Toney. Uh, Cortland Sutton in this game, he's right in that price range as all of those guys. I think he's an excellent pivot away from some of the Miami wide receivers who I think could be chalk or Brandon Cook, so I think will be a popular play. Um, the thing that I will say about it, though, is like Sia mentioned, we don't expect them to be throwing to the point where he's going to get there through sheer volume. So at that point, you're literally hoping for the 50 to 60 yard touchdown uh, or, or a couple big plays like that. It's not going to be a lot of volume. However, I think it's okay with Dak coming back. You know, things he could be a little rusty. Timing could be off just a little bit. I think that if you're interested in playing Amari, I think you need someone on the other side. The only real scenario where I think that Amari is truly force-fed the football enough to like really capture that ceiling and really pay off that price tag is if somebody on Denver is also scoring fantasy points. So whether it's the tight end with Albert O, I mean, I think that's obviously a given, but I would look even further and play probably someone like Sutton at the same time uh, and just fully fade that Miami and Houston game, which I think is going to be really popular just because of those mid-range wide receivers. So it's something I'm considering doing. Uh, I've definitely, you know, I'd love Amari Cooper. I played him a lot early in the season. Uh, at that price point, it's definitely got my attention. He's definitely in the player pool. It's just a matter of, you know, how does the rest of the week shape up as far as how much I'm going to end up using him. All right, let's move on to the Bills at the Jaguars. The Bills are 14 and a half point favorites with a 48 and a half point total here. And for the Bills, Dawson Knox and Cole Beasley did not practice on Wednesday. It seems less likely that Dawson Knox is going to play, but let's monitor Cole Beasley and see what happens there. And then for the Jaguars, James Robinson did not practice and Carlos Hyde was limited with a calf injury. The Bulls are, uh, the Bulls, man, I got to stop with this. I'm just like saying a bunch of different team names from other sports. The Bills are in a similar position as last week. Highest implied total on the slate, but also the biggest favorite on the slate. Um, Sia, does that matter to you? I know that you're a big fan of the Bills. Nope, it sure doesn't. Because again, Josh Allen going for the MVP like Tom Brady. And I know that sounds ridiculous, like everybody that's really good is going for the MVP. But honestly, Josh Allen has his foot on the accelerator the entire four quarters. So I love Josh Allen in, in a game script where you think they might be running with Zach Moss and Devin Singletary. If anything, they might be running with Josh Allen, because that's what he did against Miami last week when the game was fully in hand. So uh, Josh Allen, 
your, our future MVP this year and Stefan Diggs. It's an expensive stack, but we'll see when we go through these games. We can find a ton of value in other places. I think we got to monitor Cole Beasley, but it might be a good time to maybe pivot off of Cole Beasley, but I still like him. Um, I think Emmanuel Sanders is really interesting in GPPs because people are, are so burned by him from last week that, and by the way, you can get behind this Jacksonville defense. So uh, it's almost like Sanders is probably in a better spot this week than he was last week against Miami. So there's an argument there for the double stack with Diggs and Sanders. Um, Sweeney, I suppose, is in play, but that's not going to be for me. And then I think there's plenty of bringbacks on the other side. So I, I love the Bills. And I and I lo- I don't think James Robinson's going to play. That's just my, what my gut's telling me. But to me, it doesn't matter because I wouldn't be playing him even if he was healthy. I would probably be playing somebody like Jamal Agnew or like a Marvin Jones or Dan Arnold or two of those guys. Look, in terms of the Bills, I'll, I'll just point out if for some reason Cole Beasley does not play, Gabriel Davis is thirty four hundred, and that would just be like the value lock of the week. I think he's a talented player. It's just, it's been hard for him to see targets because there's so much more talent on the field there with him. Uh, Zach Moss, solid matchup here. He's 5,300. He played 64% of the snaps, had 14 touches last week, including six receptions. Uh, Mike, how do you feel about spending up for the Bills here? 14 and a half point favorites. And if you are, are you looking to bring it back? We mentioned Dan Arnold on Tuesday's podcast. 3,400, probably going to be... Decently owned in the spot. Uh, Jamal Agnew leads the Jaguars with a 21% target share since week five. He is $4,300. I don't know why he leads the team in target share, but he does. So what do you think, Mike? Yeah, this one is interesting. We actually mentioned it last week, and or we mentioned it not last week. We mentioned it yesterday on the uh, the, the the recap pod. Um, I'm, I'm in on Stefan Diggs this week. I'm projecting him under 10% owned. I like Josh Allen. There's enough value to make it work. This is the best individual matchup that he's had all season uh, in terms of matchups here. I, I think it's a great spot. We've got Beasley banged up a little bit. There's some question marks there. There's no question that they want to go out and win this game big and get Josh Allen that MVP. That's what they're pushing for. So I will be playing Josh Allen to Stefan Diggs. I don't think that it'll end up being a double stack. I think it'll just be Josh Allen to Stefan Diggs. And then using the other value plays, I'll still get Tyree Kill or Devontae Adams or Debo Samuel in that lineup. Now, on the bringback, if Robinson doesn't play, I'm playing Carlos Hyde in this lineup for sure. Uh, Carlos Hyde, $4,900, eight targets last week, six receptions, 40 yards, put up 13.2 DraftKings points without finding the end zone. Not saying he's going to find the end zone against the Buffalo Bills, but that definitely works when you still throw in that opportunity to potentially score a late touchdown in this game. So I like this one a lot. And if you know anything about Urban Meyer, this is his Super Bowl. He gets to play the Ohio State product, Carlos Hyde, an entire game here potentially. He is going to be all in on that opportunity. He, there's, it's got to be the only reason. It, that's the only reason he's on the team still, right, is Carlos Hyde at this point in his career. So, yeah, I'm, I'm interested for sure. Uh, I'm playing Stefan Diggs because I'm very confident he'll be under 10% owned. All right, yeah, you mentioned the matchup here. There are some people out there who don't really believe in the whole wide receiver cornerback matchup, but if you do, according to Pro Football Focus, Stefan Diggs has a 99.1 matchup advantage this week. That is tied with Cooper Cup for the best wide receiver cornerback matchup on the entire slate, not just the main slate, the entire slate of Week 9 games. So yes, it is a very, very strong matchup for Stefan Diggs this week. The Browns are at the Bengals. The Bengals are 2.5-point favorites with a 46.5-point total. And it's not injury-related, but Odell Beckham is just not with the team right now, which sounds like he might get released. Uh, so there goes our contrarian place here. Yeah, I actually was kind of <laughs> in on it. Uh, Jarvis Landry did not practice on Wednesday. Donovan Peoples-Jones returned to a limited practice. And then for the Bengals, Chris Evans and Auden Tate were limited in practice as well. I'm interested to see how the Bengals respond at home. It's a really uh, important divisional matchup coming off a really bad loss against the New York Jets. And uh, their pieces are priced up here with exception of T. Higgins. So Jamar Chase is 7,600 on DK. He's a fifth highest price wide receiver. Joe Mixon all the way up to 7,100, his highest salary of the season. Um, But his usage has been inconsistent this year. He has three games with four plus targets. And then he has one target or less in the other five games. So, uh, Sia, what are you thinking about this game in general? It's it's just really hard for me to imagine getting up to the Bengals at, at this cost. 
Yeah, in general, I think this is a game I'm going to avoid. It's definitely not a game I'm going to stack just because I don't know how I would do it on the Brown side. And I just I don't have a ton of listen. Jamar Chase could have a great game, obviously, and he can definitely get behind this Brown secondary. But I'm just not confident in that stack. Like when I'm talking about the three that I really like, I will pull pieces, though. Nick Chubb, we talked about it Tuesday. I think he could have a good – don't get me wrong. Cincinnati's run defense is actually pretty good, but I still think it's like Nick Chubb week. I still think they are going to force-feed Nick Chubb the ball. He got plenty of touches last week. Dearness stole a little bit of the snap share, a little bit of the touches, one of the goal line touches. But I think the way the Browns win this game is through the run, especially with Baker kind of being dinged up, Odell not even being there. Like they, They've got too many injuries on the outside to not focus on the inside, which of course is the offensive line and the running game. So I like Nick Chubb. I like the value of T Higgins and that's probably all I'm doing in this one. Yeah. And we've talked already a lot about the wide receivers in that five to six K range. And I agree with you, Mike, I think the, uh, the Dolphins Texans game is going to be very popular. I think Amari Cooper is going to be very popular. And I think T Higgins is probably going to check in at lower ownership than he should be once again this week, especially at 5,300. So uh, I don't mind the play there. Are you interested in any of the Browns pass catchers with no Odell Beckham? Jarvis Landry is 5,100, also right in that pa- uh, that price range. And Donovan Peoples-Jones is 4,400. What do you think, Mike? I'm not really interested there, but I am interested in Nick Chubb. Uh, I will not play pass catchers in this game. I'll, I'll take my, you know, the, the problem for me with the pass catchers, frankly, is... The Bengals pass catchers have been so good this season that they've got that ownership baked in. Like they're, they're always going to be around 10% plus. They're not, I, I don't think we're stealing any of them at like low single digits. Like we maybe should in a matchup like this or in this, in this particular week, uh, the success that they've had while it's, it's been great and it's helped us at times. It's hurt me at times. I'm not going to be investing there, but I do like Nick Chubb. So Nick Chubb is showing up as one of the best leverage running backs this week. Uh, I think Ezekiel, it's actually going to be pretty popular. I think that Aaron Jones is going to be pretty popular as well. Uh, and then Alvin Kamara, I think people are going to jam Alvin Kamara in two with all the value. So I think that this is going to be a pretty good pivot from those players. I don't think a lot of people are going to end up landing on Nick Chubb just because of that middling price point. And we've got two pretty clear builds. You're either using Josh Allen or Lamar Jackson, or you're going all the way down to Jordan Love. That's what it's looking like so far at like very early ownership numbers, very early projection models. Um, so it's going to dictate builds in certain directions and and that's going to leave a lot of opportunity for guys like Nick Chubb to make some more balanced lineup decisions. All right, let's move on to the Raiders at the Giants. The Raiders are three point favorites here coming off the bye. They are uh, with a 46 and a half point total in this game and Darren Waller and Josh Jacobs did return to practice on Wednesday for the Giants. They're dealing with uh, a bit of a COVID situation right now. They had 13 positive tests on Tuesday then they redid all those tests on Wednesday, and it turned out that only one of those was positive, and I believe it was the running backs coach. But as a result of this, Saquon Barkley has entered COVID protocol. I don't know that he would have been able to return this week regardless, uh, but it seems like he, he's probably closer to out, especially with the situation going on right now. And then Sterling Shepard is doubtful with the quad. Kadarius Tony was limited at practice, and Kenny Galladay did not practice on Wednesday. We spoke about Henry Ruggs on Tuesday's podcast. He has been released by the Las Vegas Raiders, and... I don't really know what to expect from this team right now. Obviously, you know, they've we can't quantify this, but they've just dealt with so much the past month or so with, you know, John Gruden and, and now all of this going on with Henry Ruggs. I just I don't know what kind of team is going to show up. It's again a West Coast team traveling east here for an early start. So there's a lot going on in this game. But if you just look at the salaries of the Raiders players, there's decent value. Josh Jacobs is sixty two hundred and you have been able to run on the Giants this year. We just saw a gentleman named Derek Gore score against them on, on Monday Night Football. Hunter Renfro has had a great role all season long. He's 4,800. Brian Edwards could be on the field, could see more targets than he usually does now. Uh, and he is only 4,100. See, what do you think about the Raiders side of things? Any chance you get involved in this in this spot? Yeah, there's a pretty good chance, actually. And, and I think this is so interesting in bigger GPPs. I think everybody knows that actually listens to this show. I generally do like the single entry, GP, uh, like the single entry tournaments, the three max tournaments, but I'll throw a couple in some some bigger GPPs. And I think this is an interesting one to play on the Derek Carr side. Obvi- and by the way, you don't have to stack it. I mean, there's plenty of pieces to pull that we'll talk about in this game. But I, I really like a, a Derek Carr stack with 
I'm not so sure about Hunter Renfro just because I know his ownership is going to be high. And honestly, he gets the catches, but you don't really see him go downfield. For DraftKings, it's great because you're getting a full point each time. But I'm more interested in Brian Edwards' role, which I'm going to be speculating about. But I could see him going – I mean, obviously, Zay Jones is a guy that goes downfield, but I don't think he's going to be on the field as much. So I'm really interested in a Derek Carr stack with Brian Edwards and or Darren Waller. I mean, Darren Waller is only 6,200. So I'm assuming a couple things that he's healthy, I think, coming off that ankle injury. We'll probably find out by Thursday or Friday if he was limited in any respect later in the week. But Waller at 6,200 against the Giants, uh, stacked with Derek Carr and or Brian Edwards. It just seems like kind of a gimme to have that in a few of your tournament lineups. And then, of course, who do you bring it back with, right? I mean, is Devontae Booker going to replicate what he did last week? Probably not. But what, who I really like is Kadarius Tony, who I fully expect to play. He had a thumb injury. It was a cleat thing. Somebody stepped on his hand. I don't think really anybody else is going to be playing. Galladay, um, Sterling Shepard. So I think it might be the Kadarius Tony, Darius Slayton, John Ross show. Pick among those. But if Tony's healthy, he's going to get a ton of targets. So that's what I'm focused on in this game. And we've already seen this season that Tony, within a single game, has massive upside, right? So he went 10 for 189 on 13 targets back in week five against the Dallas Cowboys. Again, this is like larger larger field GPP conversation here if you want to get involved in this game. I am 100% with you on Darren Waller. 6,200, lowest salary of the season. I think some people, if they want to pay up, they're probably going to go to Travis Kelsey. Uh, but obviously, you know, a large majority, if you're paying up for the wide receivers, then, then you're, you're you're probably punting tight end. But Darren Waller, I, I'm definitely interested at that, at that price. Uh, Mike, I also don't mind... Uh, Devontae Booker here. He is one of those cheaper running backs that I am looking at this week. He's 5,900. He played 93% of the snaps with 20 touches last week. That is, that's a great role for any running back on any offense. Like, I understand the Giants are are not great and they've got a lot of stuff going on, but 93% of the snaps is 93% of the snaps. So what do you think about Devontae Booker? Anybody else in this game you like? Yeah, Devontae Booker's definitely in the player pool. It's going to depend on what happens with James Robinson, frankly, for me, and then what happens with Kyler Murray and Chase Edmonds, those guys, how I'm going to be playing that game in particular, because uh, I like both running backs in that one, which we'll talk about here shortly. But Devontae Booker's definitely in the player pool. Hunter Renfro is in the player pool. But like Sia said, I love the pivot to Brian Edwards, uh, depending on what kind of ownership we're seeing out of Hunter Renfro. Is if Hunter Renfro's ownership tops about 12% and goes above that, which I think it can and will um i i will be pivoting to ryan edwards at 4100 uh not only do you lose some of the ownership you save 700 dollars, which doesn't sound like i mean it sounds like a lot and it kind of is but you don't necessarily need it this week because there's going to be a lot of value out there so that's the weeks that i like to go ahead and actually take it uh just because a lot of people aren't going to need to take it in a lot of spots uh so i, I think it's a really really good spot for edwards um As far as Zay Jones, if you want to take a really, really, really deep flyer, um, the thing I would caution with there is you'd probably want Booker in your lineup. It means that the Giants are likely ahead scoring points where they're having to really mix in Zay Jones, take some deeper shots, things like that. But uh, certainly someone that you could consider. One thing, Frank, just to point out here, I mean, obviously Henry Ruggs is no longer on this team, probably no longer playing in the NFL. I think kind of definitely at this point. Um, the targets have to go somewhere. Not that Ruggs was a target machine, but so if you look at Brian Edwards' game log, his targets over the last, let's say, three or four games, four, four, six, four, five, uh, since week three. That's not super impressive, but if you extend that maybe two catches more, maybe even three, but let's just say two for the sake of argument. Now you're getting a guy that's six, six, eight, six, seven. So if if we're assuming around six targets per game for a guy that's 4,100 against the Giants' defense, it's not bad. So, I mean, I, I just, again, we're assessing value more than anything else. And I think Brian Edwards has plenty of upside. So uh, he's definitely going to be in my pool. By the way, I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit. Brandon Ayuk is also 4,100. That's another guy that kind of is a very sleeper material. We'll get to him in a few games, obviously. Yeah. And look, I'm not out here grinding tape. I know there's a lot of people who watch the film and a lot of people like what they've seen from Brian Edwards, right? So there, mm-hmm. there's a big group of, of fantasy football players and DFS players who, who do like his talent. So uh, he'll have an opportunity here. Let's see if Brian Edwards can make the most of it. The Texans are at the Dolphins. The Dolphins are six and a half point favorites with a 46 point total here. And for the Texans, their linebackers, Christian Kirksey and Kevin Pierre-Lewis did not practice on Wednesday. And then Chris Conley and Rex Burkhead were limited. Uh, Tyrod Taylor remains questionable. 
though we assume he'll be back at this point. We just don't know for sure here uh, this early in the week. And then for the Dolphins, Will Fuller will not return to practice this week. Devontae Parker and Tua Tungavailoa were limited on Wednesday. And this game's going to be popular. The Dolphins are in a good spot here. They're at home. They have a strong implied team total here. They're all very affordable. Uh, Mike, we'll start with you this time. What is your favorite way to gain access to the Dolphins in this spot? I mean, I think it's going to be a stack uh, potentially with Tua. So Tua, his ownership is going to be fascinating here. But the one thing I want to talk about is they very publicly shopped Tua to this very team for Deshaun Watson (laughs) over the last few days. And this could be a nice spot for Tua to show that he belongs there against this team. I know Watson's obviously not going to be on the field, but don't think he's not going to be thinking about it and not going to, you know, actually account for that and recognize it. So I like him. His ownership's fascinating because early in the week at 5,800, I think he was going to be the obvious pivot away from everyone trying to play Taysom Hill at 5,500. Now we've got $4,400 quarterback in Mr. Love. We potentially have Colt McCoy at $4,000. There's a lot of value opening up. We just talked about two $4,100 receivers. We talked about a $2,600 tight end. I don't know that we need to play Tua Tungavaloa again this week now at 5,800. I, I think that you're going to look at some of those other names. You're going to say, okay, I can save this. And when I save that, I'm going to end up getting to play Tyreek Hill. I'm going to get to play some of these other receivers that I want to play. So I do have some interest in Tua. I think that you can stack them with a number of players. Uh, Waddle. Uh, you've got Parker, you've got Gasecki, you've got the obvious bring back with Brandon Cooks. Um, I, I think that those receivers are going to be popular. I think that that game stack is going to be popular without Tua in it now because I don't think there's as much of a need to play him overall. So this is a spot where I want to double down on that and actually play him and pair him with two of his pass catchers and a bring back, likely Brandon Cooks. Yeah, and it's a fantastic matchup for Mike Gasecki. Uh, here in the spot, the Texans have struggled against tight ends all season long. I, I was I liked Tyler Higby last week. I didn't wind up playing him as a result uh, of this matchup, but yeah, he didn't come through. But basically, any other tight end that has played the Texans has has really had a big game so far this season. See, uh, Miles Gaskin. I, I think you know, much like Devontae Booker, not as safe of a of a role of a workload as Devontae Booker, but no Malcolm Brown last week, and he, Malcolm Brown will not play this week. He's on injured reserve. Gaskin played 58% of the snaps. He had 15 touches, three receptions. He has a 13% target share on the season. That's very healthy for a running back. And this is one of the best matchups for a running back, too. So I I don't mind Miles Gaskin either. I, I think he's right there in the, in the player pool at 5,800. I don't mind him, but this is largely a game I'm going to avoid, though, to be honest with you. I, I just can't get over it. And I know this is kind of a blanket statement, and I try not to make these because this is DFS. Like, every week is new, but... There's so much dysfunction and frankly, target distribution, just go like Salvin Ahmed might get plenty of carries, especially if they're they're up a lot. And honestly, Salvin, Salvin Ahmed looks like he has a little bit better burst than Miles Gaskin. I agree with you. Miles Gaskin is actually a fine play. So I'm don't get me wrong. He, he could absolutely get a ton of catches and, and a ton of rushing attempts. But I just I, I don't think I want to go there for 5,800. If he was like 5,200 or 5,300, something like Elijah Maguire was in last week, it'd probably be a different story. But and then you get to Jalen Waddle and Devontae Parker. Parker looked pretty fresh last week. And I just, what if this game, what if Miami's, you know, up seven to 10 points? What, what do they end up doing? They probably reel it in and they, they give a lot of work to Miles Gaskin. I just, I just don't know what to do with it. And I, I don't have any confidence in Miami or the coaching staff where I'm like, this is what they're going to do in this game. So for me, it's, it's just an avoid uh, on the other side of it. Nothing to play here, unless you're playing a stack, obviously. And Brandon cooks on the way back makes a ton of sense. See, I'm pretty sure you meant Elijah Mitchell, but you did say Elijah McGuire, which I've got to give you credit. Oh my gosh, that's funny. Former Jet great running back, yes. Elijah McGuire. <laughs> yes. I haven't I haven't heard that name in a long time. So Well, I, I had to pay homage to uh Jets running backs after what they did for me last week. So yeah. That's uh, that's what that was. I think so. And we're not gonna talk about the Jets today because they're on Thursday night football. So yeah, we had to sneak in a little uh, Jets running back conversation there. Uh all right, before we hit the break, just want to remind everyone you want to play against us, our fantasy football today DFS conversation. Contest is live on DraftKings right now. 150 entries, five dollars to enter. The top 15 gets paid out. The link is in the podcast and the YouTube description if you would like to play against Sia Mike and myself. And look, we had a great week last week. We talked. I think we talked enough about it uh, on Tuesday. But if we helped you win, a lot of people, you know, tweeted at us and let us know that that they had a great week. Drop a five star Apple Podcast rating and review. 
It helps the podcast is new. It helps other people find the podcast and, and it just helps with searchability in general. So again, if you can, five-star Apple podcast rating and review, much appreciated. We'll take a quick break. When we return, we have five more games to go. Let's do it here. Fantasy Football Today, TFS. Robert Half Research indicates nine out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. The Falcons are at the Saints. The Saints are six-point favorites with a 42-point total. Russell Gage was limited at practice with a groin injury on Wednesday, and then Taysom Hill returned to practice. Uh, he's back from the concussion protocol, and we haven't talked about him all year. We won't talk about him anymore after this podcast, but Michael Thomas announced on Wednesday that he will miss the entirety of the season. So, I don't really know what to do with this game anymore because I thought there was going to be some interest in Taysom Hill, but... Now we have this this quarterback value opening up. He's only 5,500. He was really good when he played last year. He's going to run. He has a lot of touchdown equity. But I'm actually hesitant here, Mike, because this guy hasn't been on the field in a while. He hasn't started a game at quarterback all season long. The total in this game keeps dropping. It's down to 42 points. I don't think I want to do the Taysom Hill thing. Yeah, I don't think we need to do it. Um, I think that it's more than okay to play him in a tournament. He's clearly got the upside. Um, And if there is a player out there because of the role that he has, he, this team could literally, this game, they could win it 24 to 10, and he could have 24 fantasy points in this game pretty easily uh, just because he will rush some of these touchdowns. It does help that they went and got uh, Mark Ingram. I think that that might, take away a little bit of his rushing at the goal line. Uh, if it was just him and Alvin Kamara in there, I think he was going to run some of those touchdowns in. Uh, the thing that's scary about it, though, is that defense is so good against a really bad team that there's almost certainly going to be short fields for this New Orleans offense. That's usually a problem when we're playing pass, you know, really pass-heavy quarterbacks as we lose out on their yards, we lose out on some of the receivers, we lose out on some of the big upside. That's not the case when you've got a quarterback that's going to run the football like this. So I, I, I don't feel great about the total fade. Um, I, we're going to have to see. All, obviously, I'll tweet some uh, stuff out this weekend. People go ahead and follow us all on Twitter. But I don't feel comfortable saying that I'm totally going to fade him at this point uh, because I do think that as we get some reports over practice again tomorrow – I could have some interest at 5,500. It really, though, for me, it's all about an ownership game. Uh, it's only the only way I'm interested is if we know everyone's playing love. We know people are still going to play Tua instead. That's the only way I can get there. Alvin Kamara is the highest priced running back on DraftKings, and he's the second highest priced running back on FanDuel. He played 67% of the snaps last week, which was a season low with Mark Ingram back. And, uh, Alvin Kamara actually averaged less targets last year with Taysom Hill as the quarterback. Obviously, Hill likes to run a little bit, so uh, it's just worth noting. Uh, if you're spending up for someone like Alvin Kamara, you want to feel pretty damn good about him. And uh, look, I'll, uh, I'll mention Kyle Pitts, 5,900, one of the higher-priced tight ends on the slate. But last week, no Calvin Ridley. He actually was shadowed by Stephon Gilmore for part of that game, and now he's going up, theoretically, against Marshawn Lattimore. So there's a chance that he could see some of him as well. Uh, see it. What are you doing with this game? Is it Taysom Hill or bust or, or what are we doing? First of all, I totally agree with the Lattimore thing. I mean, why wouldn't you do that when Russell Gage and Tajay Sharp, no disrespect to those guys, but they're not exactly instilling fear in the hearts of secondary. So that, that really should be the game plan. Uh, I want nothing to do with this game. And by the way, it's Sean Payton. He's still the coach, right? So why would it like so why would we just assume Taysom Hill is starting and playing every play all four quarters? 
we've seen his track record. Taysom Hill could play two and a half quarters and Trevor Simeon could come in for a quarter and a half. Like we have no idea. He might just be pulling them in and out. Like, and then knowing that Taysom Hill hasn't really been on the field coming off a concussion, I just don't like it's possible, but I, I'm not willing to rely on the fact that Taysom Hill is going to get four quarters and resume that Taysom Hill role that we saw in the last couple of years. I know they're paying him a lot of money and all this stuff, but again, he's coming off a concussion. They clearly have a somewhat capable quarterback in Trevor Simeon who could steal some reps. Uh, this is an absolute no for me uh, with every single player on this board. All right. The last of the early games, the Patriots at the Panthers. The Patriots are three and a half point favorites with a 41 point total, the lowest on the main slate. And for the Patriots, as usual, they have 11 different players that were limited at practice on Wednesday and are deemed questionable. And then their cornerback, J.C. Jackson, actually did not practice on Wednesday. For the Panthers, Sam Darnold was limited. Terrace Marshall was back for full practice. And Christian McCaffrey is up in the air as of now. And here's the quote that I saw from head coach Matt Rule regarding CMC. I would probably say he was pretty limited, not a ton of plays. Just trying to begin the process of working him back. We'll see how he looks Thursday in terms of this weekend and his availability. See how he responds to this, but no setbacks. So, let's start there. Uh, see, you and I were talking a little bit about Christian McCaffrey before the podcast. What do we do? If he is active, his salary is $8,000 on DraftKings. And in the three games he played earlier this season, it was never below 9 k so we are getting Christian McCaffrey at a discount if he plays. So here's the problem. So first of all, I listened to a video done by uh, Dr. David Chow. And Dr. David Chow is just kind of, in, I should say, famous for putting out content with regard to NFL players and their injuries. He's one of many in that in that sort of sphere. And he's he's one of the the sort of the more reliable voices, I think. He, he did a video, I think, earlier today where he said he was pretty confident Christian McCaffrey was going to come back and that the hamstring injury in his mind is probably resolved and those types of injuries uh, would have resolved by now over the, the period of time that he's been resting it, even if there was a slight setback. Now, obviously, he's speculating to a degree, but the problem is he's not actually on the active roster because he's IR designated to return. What that means is the Carolina Panthers don't actually have to designate his injury status again because he's not on the active roster. So we're not actually going, unless they just feel like telling us, we're not actually going to know whether Christian McCaffrey is has any sort of injury designation until probably Sunday morning when inactives come out. So it's really going to be up to you know the head coach to tell us you know what's going on. So my point is, I think it's a really big unknown and we're not going to have clarity tomorrow or the next day. I think if he's playing, I, I would suspect it means he is pretty much 100% because why would they pedal him out there if he felt any sort of twinge with his hamstring? So that means at 8K, he's absolutely worth a play. So he's definitely in my player pool for now. I'm not super happy about it, to be honest with you. I'm not confident in it, but I will have to play him if, if he ends up being active. And then I'll, I'll just mention the only other guy I like in this game probably is Damian Harris. TJ uh, Moore's price is super interesting at 6,400, so he's in consideration. But I think Damian Harris is a very solid play as well. Yeah, the the problem with DJ Moore, like we know how talented is he is. We saw it earlier in the season. The Panthers want to run the football now. They, they've seen enough of Sam Darnold turning the ball over, dropping back, whether it's him taking sacks, fumbles, interceptions, whatever it might be. They ran the ball 47 times last week compared to 24 pass attempts. And I think if they can have it their way, obviously, you know, that that kind of ratio is bonkers, but um, I, I think if they can have it their way, they would they would probably run more than they would pass. So uh, just keep that in mind. Kind of limits the upside on DJ Moore right now. Uh, Mike, what are you doing? I, I know that if normally you, you, you've mentioned before that you'll kind of make lineups or you'll have things set in play just in case a player is active, right? So like, are you setting contingency plans in place in case Christian McCaffrey, it comes out 1130 on, uh, on Sunday morning that he's active. What are you doing? Yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, it depends on where I end up on the Saints overall, but I, I think it's going to be a fantastic pivot away from Alvin Kamara if he ends up being active. Um, so he's certainly going to be sitting there waiting in the player pool. Um, I also think it'll make for an interesting pivot from someone like Zeke and Aaron Jones. So again, I expect both of those players to be pretty popular just because I do think that there's going to be enough people paying down at quarterback, whether it's all the way down for love, or it's to a, you're going to lead to some a little bit more balanced lineups at times. You're going to lead to those star players a little bit more. 
Um, so I think it's going to be a fantastic pivot in those spots. I, you know, I'm hoping that I get the opportunity to play a Christian McCaffrey, Nick Chubb kind of lineup this week. Um, we'll see if we, if we get that opportunity, but I am a hundred percent in the case with Sia here. I think that, uh, I don't think we're going to have that answer until 90 minutes before kickoff. I, I don't think that, that we're really truly going to know. Um, I will say things have been a little odd. Obviously he re-injured and ended up on the IR. If he's not like if they if he's active, I'm going to trust that he is ready to play football and that he's going to have a full workload. I don't see any benefit for this team at this point here to put Christian McCaffrey out there and only give him eight to ten touches. Uh, if he's active, I'm going to operate as if he's touching the football close to thirty times. Yep, and I think that's the way that we should approach Christian McCaffrey as of now. So just have that in the back of your mind. What do I do if Christian McCaffrey is at, uh, active? Obviously, you can make those those lineups in advance, and then if it if it happens on Sunday morning, then then that's something that you pivot to uh, if, in case it does happen. On to the afternoon slate. The Chargers are at the Eagles. The Chargers are one-and-a-half-point favorites with a 50-point total, the highest on the main slate. And I mentioned it on Tuesday's podcast, but even though it's a West Coast team, Traveling east, this game is at 4 p.m. Eastern time. Obviously, the last time the Chargers did that, they got destroyed by the Baltimore Ravens. That was an earlier game at 1 p.m. Eastern time. So uh, this is the normal time that they would be playing at, even though they're coming east. For the Chargers, their cornerback Asante Samuel and running back Justin Jackson did not practice on Wednesday. Justin Herbert was limited. I haven't heard anything about Herbert, so I assume he's he's good to go. For the Eagles, Jalen Rager and defensive tackle Javon Hargrave did not practice on Wednesday. And I have a feeling this game will be very popular as well. See, are you looking to stack this one, the Eagles and the Chargers? Yeah, this is my third favorite stack, which means I'm definitely going to be stacking it uh, at least a, two or three times over. Uh, Justin Herbert, Austin Eckler, Keenan Allen, those, those are probably my favorite. I mean, obviously, I could throw Mike Williams in there, even Jared Cook, in terms of mixing and matching. I really like Austin Eckler, so even in games that I'm not stacking, I'll probably have shares of him. I'll probably pay up that $7,900. Um, again, that that becomes a discussion. Like, if I have Eckler in my lineups, let's say I have Eckler in 10 out of 20 lineups, and then Christian McCaffrey is is healthy then it's super easy, right? Because they're almost the same price, 7,900 versus 8,000. So I, I most likely in three or four of those lineups, I can just swap Eckler out for Christian McCaffrey. And hopefully, uh, you know, the, the correlations are right where I can do that. So anyway, so I, I do like Eckler the most on that side. I will be stacking the game with Eckler, who I deem a pass catcher, and either Keenan, Mike Williams, or Jared Cook. On the other side, I think it's really interesting because obviously you can stack the Jalen Hurts side if you want, but I, I think Devontae Smith is really interesting just because of his upside. I think Quez Watkins is also interesting at 3,800, given that I don't think Jalen Rager is going to play. And because Devontae Smith's probably going to command a lot of attention with Dallas Goddard, I could see a guy like Quez Watkins getting loose and kind of like smashing it for your GPP lineup. Now, he has a low floor, obviously, but I think that's what I'm interested in. I'm interested in Dallas Goddard, of course. I think 4,500 is more than reasonable. And Jay, uh uh, excuse me, uh, Quez Watkins and maybe Devontae Smith. I am with you, man. Quez Watkins. I Look, I've watched games this year with the Eagles, and he just pops off the screen for some reason. Like, he's made some big plays this year, and he last week he played a season high 89% of the snaps with Jalen Rager getting banged up. So if Rager's out and he's just starting, he's in there, two wide receiver sets, I, I'm, I'm with you, man. 3,800, I think. That's a really fair price for him. Uh, the problem, a lot like the Panthers, I, I think the Eagles, if the, if they can choose, they would want to run the ball a ton. And the Chargers have been a run funnel so far this season. And we just saw a game where the the Eagles had their way running the football. Uh, so that, to me, is, is concerning if you want to stack that. But the problem is, obviously, the Chargers have a really good offense. So if this game is competitive, obviously, that's how we get there. Uh, Mike, are you going back to the well with any of the Eagles running backs? And if so, which one? I'm not planning on it yet. Um, I might, though. Uh, there's a lot a lot going on in this afternoon slate. This afternoon, I call it the afternoon slate because it's almost like a totally separate slate. And we don't know what's going on with Kyler Murray necessarily. And no one's going to play him. No one is going to play him. I'm interested in playing him potentially, but if I don't end up playing him, this game is amazing to end up swapping to, right? If I want to get off of like Kyler and say Debo, for example, you can pivot to this game. I don't plan on playing the running backs at this point. I think that the 
it, it really depends on what happens. So I, I wish I could give you a better answer at this point, but I really, really, really can't until I know what's happening with Kyler. I know if Christian McCaffrey is playing or not, because that's totally going to change my builds. If McCaffrey is in, he's going to be one of my running backs in pretty much every single lineup. I'm going to take the stance. I'm going to be early. That's just the way that I play DFS. I think a lot of you have seen that so far. Like I'm very comfortable going all in on certain situations. Like Sia said, you know, the other day, like when I have a good week, I have a really good week. And when I don't have a good week, it's not a great week, right? So I'm going to play Chris McCaffrey if he's in. If he's not in, that's the scenario where I don't jam in other running backs on the early slate. I'll be looking to this afternoon's slate and be building and getting very, very different from the rest of the field. So I can't rule out playing any of the the running backs here, but I will say I'm not overly excited on the Chargers side myself. Um, I'm way more excited still in the next game that we're going to talk about, as you could probably guess, but I can't rule it out. Definitely can't rule it out. A lot of it hinges on Christian McCaffrey. I will just point out with Austin Eckler, he's 7,900. See, you mentioned if you want to plug him in and then wait for the Christian McCaffrey news, you can do that. But Look, Eckler has been awesome this year as well. So uh, I tweeted this out earlier on Wednesday. Uh, running backs with at least 25 red zone opportunities and a 15-plus percent target share this season. Alvin Kamara, Najee Harris, DeAndre Swift, Austin Eckler, and a running back we're going to talk about in this next game, Aaron Jones. So they all have just legitimate roles in their offense and, and opportunities this season. The Packers are at the Chiefs. The Chiefs are now seven-point favorites with a 48-point total. Mentioned it up up at the top. Aaron Rodgers tested positive for COVID. Will miss this week. There's a chance he misses next week as well. Uh, Robert Tunyon is out for the season with a torn ACL. Devontae Adams is expected to return to practice on Thursday. For the Kansas City Chiefs, their guard, Mike Remmers, did not practice Wednesday. Their defensive end, Chris Jones, was limited. Former first-round pick, Jordan Love, will make his first career start on the road in Kansas City. He is 4,400 on DraftKings. I tried to look up some stuff about him. His player profiler page indicates that he's pretty athletic. You look at his college profile, didn't really run all that much. Lots, uh, lots of interceptions his final season at Utah State as well. So, I don't know. It sounds like, Mike, you're going to be in on him just because he's so, so cheap, but I just... The floor is literally... I, what is he? Five points? Zero to five points? Um, but he's cheap. So what do we do? Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm playing him. Uh, I can tell you for sure I'm playing him. So there was a quarterback that played last week. Uh, his name was Mike White, and he dumped the ball to a lot of running backs that gained him a lot of fantasy points. I expect a very low average depth of target from Mr. Love in this game. He has got a very capable pass-catching running back in Aaron Jones. He's got Randall Cobb, who's going to be playing around the line of scrimmage. He should have Devontae Adams, who is still very capable of getting whatever you ask him to, frankly. And if it's going to be a very short target, he's going to be able to do that or at least draw enough attention that he's going to have enough time to check down, dump the ball off, or take off and run. I know he didn't run a lot in college. He's still a good athlete at this point in his career is at the age that he is at. He's fresh. He hasn't been hit. He hasn't been hurt. And we know this Kansas City defense is not great. So it's not only about Jordan Love and his whatever his upside or downside may be. It's about the combination of players that you get when you play Jordan Love. And that is what I'm most interested in. And I will definitely be playing him. He will be one of my two cash game quarterbacks this week. Man, I, <laughs> I there, before we started the podcast, I was like, "There's no way I'm going to play Jordan Love. Like, I don't want to do this." And man, you're you're talking me into it, Mike. Uh, he's he's just so cheap, right? And, and you're right. Like, all he has to do is get the ball in the hands of his playmakers, Devontae Adams and and Aaron Jones. And we saw it last week with with, with Rodgers when Devontae Adams was out. All they did was throw the ball. To Aaron Jones. He led the team with 11 targets. He had seven receptions. So I think as a result of that, Aaron Jones is is probably in play as well. Uh, he is 7,200 here. See, what do you think about this game? We got a lot of high-priced players. Devontae Adams, 8,200. Tyreek Hill is 7,900. He's coming off 18 targets. I think that we'll get Travis Kelsey at lower ownership because he's expensive. He's coming off a really bad game. Prime time. Everyone watched. He fumbled. He just did not play well. Um, and then we also have some value Daryl Williams is 5,700, and we have Mercedes Lewis down at 2,900 now with no Robert Tunyon. How are you approaching this game? 
Yeah, I'm pretty much out on this game, believe it or not. Mm -hmm. I might have some pieces here and there with like Daryl Williams, for example. I like what you said about Travis Kelsey in terms of, you know, people being a little bit down on him and maybe just not wanting to spend up this week on tight end. I don't, I just, I think Jordan Love's floor is really low for a couple reasons. Uh, One is, first of all, I like the argument that Mike made because if he is just going to dump it off to Aaron Jones and and Randall Cobb and Devontae Adams, there's a path there for him because those those, those uh, pass catchers can do a lot of work for him. But so I kind of have some history just kind of watching Jordan Love at Utah State and it was so unimpressive. He was one of those kind of big names in college that – just kind of flamed out, but still had the reputation going into the NFL draft, much like Brett Hundley, by the way, who, in my opinion, was the first mistake that the Packers made in, in terms of an heir apparent to Aaron Rodgers. This is basically Brett Hundley 2.0, in my in my opinion. And I just, I don't think he's ready, A, and I also don't think he's a starting NFL quarterback. He does get the luxury of going against Kansas City, so I get it. But I just, I, I think the game plan for the Packers is going to be run the ball until we are just, you know, down too much to run the ball anymore. I think it's going to be a lot of Aaron Jones. I think it's going to be a lot of A.J. Dillon. I will have A.J. Dillon rostered in some lineups because last week he got a ton of touches. I think he might have had like 16 carries or something like that. And uh, I think he's going to get a lot of carries this game too. So I'll take some cheap pieces, some value pieces, but I'm not stacking this one. All right, so two opposite ends of the spectrum there. You decide who you want to go with. You want to go with Sia, you want to fade the game, or do you want to be all in and go the route that Mike is going the Chiefs defense is just so bad, so that's probably the way that I'm leaning right now is is let's get some action in on this game. But uh, yeah, I understand. I understand the hesitant the hesitancy there uh, with Jordan Love. The Cardinals are at the 49ers. This game is a pick'em as of now, and it has a 45 point total, and it's just a complete mess. This game all over the place. Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins did not practice. Chase Edmonds was limited. AJ Green tested positive for COVID. He is. I assume most likely not going to play this week. Even if he's vaccinated, it would be pretty tough for him to get back. On the 49ers side of things, Debo Samuel, Elijah Mitchell, left tackle Trent Williams did not practice on Wednesday. Sounds like Debo Samuel is going to be good to go. He, he didn't practice on Wednesday last week either. George Kittle and Jeff Wilson had their practice window, uh, window open from injured reserve. Normally, I would say the first week back that this practice window is open, we don't normally see um, players return that week, but... It's a possibility, so I'll just I'll, I'll just mention it. Let's let's do a few what if scenarios. Mike, we'll start with you. Uh, if Kyler Murray is out, what do we do with the Cardinals? Uh, I'll probably end up pivoting a little bit of my Jordan Love exposure to Colt McCoy. <laughs> I can tell you that as well. I, I will definitely hedge that uh, a little bit just because I, I like pieces on both sides. Frankly, like you know, I like Tyreek Hill. You know, I like Debo Samuel. So I, I want to be you know, stacking those game environments as much as possible. But I I love Chase Edmonds, and I'm excited to go back to Rondell Moore. Uh, it's left a really poor taste in people's mouths, but with A.J. Green out here, um, Kyler, you know, banged up even if he does play. And by the way, I think Kyler is very questionable. I don't think that the line suggests that he is out. It definitely does not suggest that he is in. From where it's at right now, depending on which way his status goes, it's going to move another two and a half points. Um, it, it's truly hedged down the middle in the betting market. And that's why I have some interest because if he does play, I'm still interested in Kyler Murray. If he's healthy enough to be on the football field, he's got enough weapons that I, I think that he can put up fantasy points. Um, so I will have a build that will potentially, you know, the, the beauty of it is, is I can pivot from Kyler to Patrick Mahomes. I can pivot from Kyler to Justin Herbert. I can pivot from Kyler to Jalen Hurts. Like we have all of these opportunities and they're all late games, which is going to eat into the ownership because you've already got Lamar on the early slate. Um, So I'm very excited to see what happens, but I I can't tell you exactly what I'm going to do as far as full on stack. Other than I can tell you, I'm going to have some Chase Edmonds. I'm going to have some Rondale Moore. I'm going to have a lot of Debo Samuel. All right. Christian Kirk also in this game. He is 5,300. You mentioned Rondell Moore. He's all the way down at 4,200. There is a chance that both A.J. Green and DeAndre Hopkins do not play in this game. And and if that's the case, then uh, we're looking at Christian Kirk, Rondell Moore, and Zach Ertz as the top pass catchers in this game, likely Chase Edmonds as well. Uh, See, you get the next what-if scenario. What if Elijah Mitchell is out? Jamichael Hasty is 4K. Trey Sermon is 4,400. I would have to imagine he's active if that's the case. What do you think? 
Yeah, I would I would imagine he'd be active and I would imagine he would probably split first down and second down work with Hasty just out of necessity. I mean, maybe Kyle Juszczyk would get in there. So he'd be an interesting guy to speculate about. Um, we'll just kind of have to wait and see. But Hasty does get the passing down work. So at 4K, it does kind of make sense. I think you could make an argument that his role would be similar to Chase Edmonds. And honestly, with J.J. Watt not on that defensive line, that the the Arizona is susceptible to, I was almost going to call them the Diamondbacks, Frank, for you. <laughs> just like a purposeful mess up just to make you feel better. Should have done um, it. But no, I think he could take on like a J- Chase Edmonds type role where he gets some carries, but he gets all a lot of the pass catching work as well. I don't think Kyler's playing either. Um, I don't pretend to be a doctor, but this injury, I did look into it a little bit. It does look to be like a one to three week injury, and he's going to be on the wrong side of that one week when this game kicks off. So I don't think they're really incentivized to aggravate anything. And he's kind of been banged up this year as it is. This might be the appropriate time to just take the gamble, see if you can beat the Niners. Side note, this line opened at minus three. And as Mike alluded to, now it's minus one. When this news comes out, if it comes out that Kyler's not playing, it's going to go to Niners minus three pretty quick. So when you're listening to this show, if you're if you're interested in betting and you're interested in the Niners, you want to play that narrative that Kyler might not play. Now is the time to take that line. You don't wait till Saturday or Sunday because I know I'll tell you right now, I'll, I'll be betting the Niners pretty much after this show. Um, I, I don't really like anything in this game. I, I agree on Rondale Moore. I think it's a, a really clever play because. D-Hop is going to be limited if he plays. A.J. Green is out, so it's just kind of process of elimination there. On the other side, I think Brandon Ayuk is an interesting value play at 4,100. He was on the field for almost 90% of the snaps last week. He got four catches. He did everything he was supposed to do. He was really good in the blocking area, so he's like he seems to be emerging out of the doghouse, and I could see him getting many more targets as the, the next few weeks go along. This is the last time he'll be 4,100. I can guarantee you that. Mike, the last what-if scenario, if George Kittle is active at 5,200, would you be interested in playing him? I don't think so, just because I think there's going to be enough value. Um, I don't know that I'm going to wait out that situation. If I have builds that dictate using a player in that range, it's probably going to be an early game. It's probably going to end up being Mark Andrews or Darren Waller. Um, If not, I'm going to go all the way up to Travis Kelsey in some spots. So. Uh, like you mentioned, it's the opening window. Yes, they could activate him. He, this could be a scenario. You know, It's not like the McCaffrey situation, in my opinion, at all. With Kittle, he could go out there and only play some limited snaps. They could ease him back into work. They're not going to do that, in my opinion. They shouldn't do that with Christian McCaffrey. So I don't treat those situations the same. So I will be out on Kittle. Um, one thing I want to mention about this, though, is I'm looking at everything that I've seen so far right now. If you're someone who wants to utilize late swap, this is a fantastic week to do it. I'm going to have a lineup that doesn't have a single player in the one o'clock games, not a single player, including the defense. And we will be able to react to that news. A lot of DFS players, especially those who are newer to the game, are very, very uncomfortable with uncertainty. I mean, humans really are in general, right? But not knowing what's going to happen, I hope that we don't have any status update on Kyler or any of these guys until game day. Because if some of that happens, you're going to have a massive edge on the field, especially if you're playing smaller field stuff like single entry stuff. People are not comfortable waiting and making those decisions. You can absolutely have a lineup. Maybe you know, maybe you like Lamar or maybe you like someone early in that game. That's fine in the early slate. Lock them in and then leave the rest of the lineup there. I think it's going to create a massive, massive edge this week. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. Uh, especially, it, look, if you want to do the Jordan Love thing, you can throw him in there and basically spend up for for a bunch of other players. And I think we've already mentioned, uh, even in just these games, there's enough value to go around with Rondell Moore and, and Brandon Ayuk and, and Chase Edmonds. So, yeah, you can definitely make it work just, you know, creating a lineup with uh, with these three later games in the afternoon slate. Let's wrap up with our week nine cheat sheet. That's our favorite value chalk contrarian plays plus our favorite stack of the week. See you. We will start with you. Yeah. Okay. So let's start with the contrarian. Uh, I'm going to go with Jamal Agnew. It's not just last week that he got a bunch of targets. He's been getting targets. We know what his target share is. You mentioned it earlier on the show. So I think at that price in that type of game flow, Jamal Agnew, especially if James Robinson is out, uh, I think he's going to get peppered with just as many targets as he has sort of averaged over the last few weeks. Uh, my value play is Rashad Bateman um, for obvious reasons. I think he's a, a really good guy to just have a piece of, a really good guy to stack 
with Lamar Jackson or double stack with Andrews and Bateman or Marquise Brown and Bateman. So uh, obviously extreme value there. Uh, the chalk play is going to be Austin Eckler because he catches passes and he runs the ball. I mean, even last week coming in with sort of a checkered health, he had 11 carries and 10 targets. I mean, this guy is an absolute monster. He catches it and he runs it. And my stack of the week is going to be the same one it was last week. And Can anyone guess? That is, hmm, I don't know, the Buffalo Bulls, the Bills. Yes, Josh Allen to Stefan Diggs. That's the one. All right, fair enough. Mike, you are up value, chalk, contrarian, and your favorite stack of the week. You are muted, sir. You're muted. We are muted. I was muting it for the sirens. I don't know if you guys heard those or not, but they were uh, quite loud here in Nashville. So my value play, though, is going to be Albert O. I don't know how to pronounce the last name. You probably don't either, so that's okay. Uh, I think he's going to be a good play here. I, I think that uh, Fant's going to be ruled out. I think the game script's going to be positive for him. We saw it three car- three targets, three catches last week. He's got the upside at the price point. Uh, as far as a chalk play, I'm going to have I'm going to list all three of them here because they're all going to be chalk, and I'm going to play all three of them in a lot of lineups. That's going to be Tyreek Hill, Devontae Adams, Debo Samuel. Uh, I'm not getting cute at all. It's the same thing as Cooper Cup. I pay for premium wide receivers. That's just the way I play daily fantasy. My contrarian play, Nick Chubb, talked about it a little bit. I think he's going to be a fantastic pivot no matter who you like at running back. I don't think anyone lands on him. I think you go up to Eckler in that game. I think that Ezekiel Elliott, I think Aaron Jones, maybe Christian McCaffrey. So Nick Chubb is easily my pivot. And then my stack, I know the reason why Sia went first is because I was struggling to find one, but I found one. And I'm going to go with Patrick Mahomes to Tyreek Hill. Wow. (laughs) Look at this guy. Wow. I mean... You gotta love it. You gotta love it from Mike McClure. Um, a reminder that we are recording this Wednesday night. It's a little bit earlier than we normally record this Thursday afternoon. So we tweet the cheat sheet out over the weekend. Some things on the cheat sheet might change, but this is these are our early leans. This is where we're looking at for for each of these plays. Albert O, by the way, if you're just like, who is that guy? He's the tight end for the Broncos. You spell his last name O K W U E G B U N A M. O K U E G B U N A M. That's what we're going to go with. Uh, value play for me, I'm going to go with uh, Quez Watkins. I don't think Jalen Rager is going to play in this game. He is $3,800. I've seen him make some plays this year. I'm convinced. I think he's a pretty damn good player. Chalk play for me, uh, Co- uh, Amari Cooper. I was about to say Cooper Cup. I wish he was on the main slate. He's not. Amari Cooper is 5700 I just think the price tag is way too cheap uh, with Dak Prescott likely back as his quarterback this week. Contrarian play for me, Darren Waller. I think a lot of people are either going to go all the way up to Travis Kelsey or they're going to spend down at the tight end position. Uh, we might get lost a little bit with Darren Waller, his lowest price of the season, and I, I still think that he does have massive upside, though he has not shown it in a while. And then stack of the week for me, going to not do anything crazy here. Not like, look, I'm not going to go with like Patrick Mahomes and Tyreek Hill. That's that's just too crazy for me. Lamar Jackson, 7300 to Hollywood Brown. Marquise Brown, 6 k That price is just too cheap in this matchup in this game environment, coming off the bye, going up against the Minnesota Vikings. We're going to wrap there. For Sia and Mike, I am Frank. Thank you all for listening and watching Fantasy Football Today DFS. The next time you hear us will be on Tuesday when we'll be recapping all of Week 9. We'll take an early look at Week 10. See you then.